Volume Three, Chapter Six of Celestina. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Celestina by Charlotte Turner Smith. Volume Three, Chapter Four. Vazover, who had passed great part of his night over a bottle, was not, however, at all more disposed to sleep towards morning than if he had been in bed. But at half after seven o'clock he sent the housemaid to know if Miss Dormore was up, and if she was, directed the servant to give his compliments to her, and let her know that he should take it as a favour if she would allow him to speak to her for a few moments before her other friends were assembled. Celestina had but just fallen into an unquiet slumber when she was awakened by the maid who tapped at the door from an uneasy dream indeed, but from a change of uneasiness with her returning memory. All the purport of Willoughby's letter returned and Vassiver's message added most painfully the recollection that she must discuss it all with him. She ordered him to be told that she was not very well and could not immediately attend him. Then shaking off the heavy lassitude which uneasiness and want of rest had occasioned, she called to her aid all the strength of mind and rectitude of heart with which she was eminently endowed by nature, and having again read over Willoughby's letter, began to consider what she ought to do. With a doubt of such a nature on his mind, she resolved, whatever it cost her, never to meet him but as his sister, unless, which was very improbable, the strong and bewildering circumstances which had given rise to such an idea could all be removed. With so much purity did she love him, that she felt that were he happy with another, and his esteem and tenderness for her undiminished, she could be content through life to find her felicity in witnessing his she resolved therefore after much debate with herself and some pangs of unavoidable regret that since this dark and impassable barrier was raised either by nature or by artifice between her and the only man she had ever thought of with fond partiality she would never marry but would leave him at full liberty to complete that union with miss fitzhaman which might at once fulfill his engagement to his mother. Wean him from that lingering fondness for her, which it was folly, if not guilt, to indulge, and retrieve his pecuniary concerns from those embarrassments which were now hastening to overwhelm him. Having formed this heroic and proper determination, she endeavored to compose her countenance, to quiet the agitation of her mind, and to meet Vassifer with that degree of calm spirit which she imagined, 
from past experience of his behavior such a meeting would require this however was easier to imagine than to execute she wished indeed to meet him without witnesses because she knew he possessed too little of that delicacy which would teach him to repress any part of his knowledge before strangers as mrs elphinstone and montague thurgood were to him but when she opened the door of the room where she knew he waited for her the blood forsook her cheeks her trembling hands refused the little exertion necessary to turn the lock her feet refused to carry her forward and she would have returned without speaking to him for that time if he who was eagerly awaiting her approach had not heard her light footsteps in the passage and opened the door while she was yet hesitating at it he was struck by the fight of her swollen and heavy eyes the languor of her air and the paleness of her countenance and his usual address which had more of warmth and vivacity than elegance was softened by the real concern of which he was at that moment sensible he took her hand which trembled within his as he led her to a feat i am sorry said he to see that you are not well celestina tried to speak but could not vassifer had but an indifferent notion of administering consolation nor could he contrive to console with her for what he secretly rejoiced at himself so that between his dissembled concern and his undissembled satisfaction he sat a moment or two silent and then remarked that the letter he had brought gave a very good account of george's health celestina without having any very precise idea of what she said answered faintly yes and by this time vassifer added that it contained also he supposed like what he had at the same time received the history of a devilish awkward mysterious business celestina who found herself unequal to the conversation thought it better to put an end to it at once and for ever she therefore by an effort of resolution commanded voice enough to say mr vassifer you understand undoubtedly that every idea of the alliance between your friend and me is at an end for ever as for the reasons that exist against it a thousand motives make me wish they may remain secret from this moment therefore you will very much oblige me by forbearing to speak of mr willoughby otherwise than as my best friend and by concealing from the world a secret in which i can have no interest but which will give pain to many to have divulged divulged cried he laughing what then do you suppose it is any secret to be sure i do she replied oh yes answered he that is mighty likely when lady castlenorth has taken such pains to talk of it everywhere already lady castlenorth cried celestina 
a faint blush rising in her pale cheek a to be sure said vassiver carelessly that she did months ago why don't you know that besides the interest she had in dividing you and willoughby because her daughter is in love with him it seems she always hated his mother and that death itself is no barrier against malice like hers you do think it's probable or possible that this story may be entirely the effect of that malice why faith no i own i do not you know at least people tell me so who do know that it was whispered about a great many years ago and even said that everard was privately married to mrs willoughby but what signifies talking about it added he seeing her again change color you have just been desiring me to say nothing about it george seems to me to have made up his mind about it he will marry his cousin and retrieve his estates as was his first plan and my fair celestina and he took her hand will look out for somebody else to transfer those affections to that he resigns no sir said celestina withdrawing her hand hastily from him they are not i assure you so easily transferred i am glad to hear it replied vassiver without being at all discomposed by her manner for then i hope this pedantic young fellow whom i find here travelling with you will not have the presumption to suppose he has any chance of obtaining them pray tell me how comes he here with you is he any relation of the people you are with this was a question it was impossible for celestina to answer ingeniously the piercing and inquiring eyes of vassiver inflamed and fierce from the late hours and free use of wine the preceding night were fixed on her face she changed countenance felt that she did and again her complexion altered the various emotions with which she was agitated consciousness that she must no longer think of willoughby as a lover yet could never admit another to that distinction conscientious too that montague thoroughgood must appear in the eyes of the world to have succeeded to that place and anger that vassiver should thus presume on the confidence of willoughby to question her with a freedom he had otherwise no pretensions to all combined to affect to distress and to deprive her for a few moments of that presence of mind which from the strength and clearness of her understanding was usually at her command vassiver who from the time he found willoughby must in all probability resign her made no doubt of succeeding to her affections who had no idea of the sensations which pressed on her heart from his total inability to feel them herself from his total inability to feel them himself became irritated and impatient at the silence his own impetuity 
had occasioned he sat eagerly reading on his countenance the emotions of her heart and interpreting them his own way again he repeated his question how come young thoroughgood with you is he related to those elphinstones you must inquire of him celestina was on the point of saying but the fear lest a quarrel between them should be the consequence of her so answering checked her she tried therefore to evade the question of what concern is it said she how he came hither we were talking of mr willoughby pray tell me is he aware that our supposed relationship is talked of does he know the pains lady castlenorth has been at to circulate the story tis impossible for me to know that said vassifer as it really was it is much more in your way to tell me how this college boy came hither with you i know no right you have to inquire about it answered celestina faintly because i cannot see that it is a concern in which you are at all interested you will give me leave then to make my own conclusions or rather added he in a louder voice on seeing montague thoroughgood enter the room rather to interrogate the gentleman himself this was exactly what celestina had been most solicitous to avoid the impetuosity of vassiver the surprise and anger she saw flashing from the eyes of thoroughgood her sleepless night and long agitated spirits the fear she knew not what consequences from these two inflammable spirits and her inability to check or repass those over whom she had no pretense to assume any authority were together in a combination of cruel circumstances which might have overcome a stronger mind than hers mrs elphinstone was dejected from situation and languid from recent sorrow of her own to her therefore celestina would in any case reluctantly have applied and now she could not leave the room to seek her without leaving together two men who seemed so highly irritated against each other that the first moment of her absence would probably bring them to extremities to speak to vassiver was to address the winds or the sea she saw that he was hardly sober that he was incapable of feeling for her distress or of listening to anything but his passionate impetuosity it was on thoroughgood alone she had any hopes of prevailing but in the moment of her deliberation this hope seemed escaping her before she could determine on what to do vassiver had in a manner at once contemptuous and hasty addressed himself to montague thoroughgood and inquired how it happened that he was at york attending on miss elphinstone and miss de moray how it happened sir said thoroughgood is there anything so very extraordinary in it may i not be at york or at canterbury yes replied vassiver 
when you are archbishop of either and then you will be for aught i know in your right place but at present i think you are in the wrong one what you think sir replied thorogood is the last thing that ever can be of any consequence to me and if my actions are as i apprehend as of little to you i imagine we can find some pleasanter topic than either one or the other on which to entertain this lady he then approached celestina who was he saw ready to sink from her chair and softening his voice said you are ill i am afraid no replied she but i am alarmed and uneasy and i beg of you continued she lowering her voice i beg of you to keep your temper let mr vassiver say what he will i can't promise that he said in the same tone but i can promise never voluntarily to do or say anything that shall give you a moment's pain do not be so distressed i beseech you let me find mrs elphinstone you tremble you seem ready to faint i am indeed replied she affected from numerous causes if you will be so good as to call mrs elphinstone i will be much obliged to you thoroughgood went immediately to obey her and vassiver approaching her cried i see how it is that young fellow is to console you for the loss of willoughby your partiality to him i always suspected and am now too well convinced of it well sir cried celestina assuming in some degree her usual spirit and admitting it to be so i do not really understand by what pretense you call me to account for it by my own long and ardent affection for you cried he of which however you may now choose to affect ignorance you cannot have been ignorant i sacrificed it to willoughby's prior claim and to your visible attachment to him but i am not humble enough to withdraw my pretensions in favour of such a raw boy as montague thoroughgood i am obliged to you sir answered celestina for the predilection you avow in my favour though i cannot command my affection it deems my sincerity and i therefore assure you that though i am now perhaps at liberty i have no intention of engaging myself again i shall hope to be allowed to consider both you and mr thoroughgood as my friends while i absolutely decline any preference to either the pride of vassiver was hurt extremely by this speech though he was not personally vain yet he had from his infancy been so accustomed to have his own way that opposition from any quarter was new and insupportable to him mrs elphinstone and thoroughgood at this moment entering the room he for once checked himself and breakfast being ready he was invited to partake of it which however he declined but told celestina on retiring 
that he must desire to see her again alone in an hour. Celestina now attempted to repress the various emotions with which she was agitated, and to quiet the throbbings of her heart. She sat down to the table and tried to eat, but could not, while Montague Thurgood, watching with eager fondness every turn of her countenance, officiously tried to engage her to partake of the breakfast that was before her. As soon as she could, however, she withdrew, and after a moment's pause alone, her scattered and oppressed senses were collected enough to bring before her all that had happened, and tears, which she had not hitherto been able to shed, came to her relief. Her reason, too, came to her assistance, and strengthened the resolution she had formed after her first perusal of Willoughby's letter. But though she was able to decide on what she ought to do herself, she had many painful circumstances likely to be created by the violence of Vassiver, and the impossibility of prevailing either on him or on Montague Thurgood to leave her and Mrs. Elphinstone to pursue their journey with others, or what she would still have preferred of continuing it without the attendance of either. When the mind is oppressed with any heavy affliction, the less serious evils which at other times it can repel or submit to are felt with painful impatience. Mrs. Elphinstone, drooping and depressed from her past sufferings and future apprehensions, could no longer interpose to check the imputacity of two young men, each of whom thought himself at liberty to attend on Celestina, while Celestina herself, who never meant to encourage either, and whose heart was so recently wounded by the dread of having lost that protection on which she was wont with fondness to rely, was yet more unequal to the exertion which was necessary to part these men who were determined to look upon each other as rivals, or to keep them within the bounds of civility if they persisted in remaining together. Anxious to proceed towards the house of Cathcart, and to put her children under the care of her brother, while she herself tried to enter on some mode of life by which to procure them a subsistence, Mrs. Elphinstone became impatient of any farther delay, while Celestina, though equally anxious to get forward, trembled at the thought of a journey, which she foresaw would produce a quarrel, and perhaps a duel, before they had proceeded three stages. Sometimes she thought of leaving the whole party abruptly, and going on as speedily as possible alone. But besides her unwillingness to leave Mrs. Elphinstone, she foresaw that if she did, this Vassiver would follow and overtake her, and Thorogood would hardly contend himself with attempting her friend, while certain that Vassiver was with her. After much consideration, therefore, nothing seemed to remain. But to endeavor to prevail on Thorogood to go forward without them, than which, 
nothing seemed much more unlikely to succeed unless it was the same attempt on Vassiver. She felt, too, a reluctance in asking a favor of Thorogood, which he might interpret as encouragement she never meant to give him, and was afraid that the assurances she must make him in regard to her total indifference towards Vassiver might afford him reason to hope that towards him she would be less inexorable. It was necessary, however, immediately to make the essay, and therefore sending for Mr. Thorogood, she with trembling hesitation told him that the letters brought by Mr. Vassiver had been decisive in regard to ending the intended alliance between her and Mr. Willoughby. But she had hardly uttered the word Willoughby before the countenance of Montague Thorogood was animated with all the warm hopes to which this intelligence gave birth. She saw it with concern, and with as much resolution as she could, besought him to attend to her, while with a faltering voice, and her tears with difficulty repressed, she went on, that I shall now never be the wife of Willoughby is certain, but do not misunderstand me. I have determined never to be the wife of any other person. I shall go for the rest of the winter to Lady Horatia Howard and afterwards retire to some village as remote as possible from that part of England where I once expected to pass my life. This resolution is unalterable, but though I never can return as you wish the favorable sentiments with which you have honored me, my friendship, my gratitude, my esteem, is in your power to secure and— Friendship, gratitude, esteem, cried Montague Thorogood. Can I be content with such cold words? I, who can never for a— instant disengage my thoughts from you i who worship your very shadow and who cannot bear the thoughts of quitting you even for a moment oh celestina if ever the most pure and violent love deserve a return forgive me cried celestina if in my turn i interrupt you do you not mistake your sentiments or by an abuse of terms, call a transient liking by that name which ought to belong only to that refined affection of the heart which leads us to prefer the happiness of another to our own, and to sacrifice every inferior consideration to the sublime pleasure of promoting that happiness. Heaven and earth, cried Thorogood impetuously, and do I not feel that sentiment in all its purity for you? Would I not lay down my life to procure you any real, almost any imaginary good? Prove it, interrupted Celestina. Prove it by obliging me in the request I am going to make, a request in which I must not be refused, and which, before I make it, you must absolutely promise to grant. I promise, returned Thorogood, 
who had at that moment no idea whither her request tended i promised to obey you even though you desired my death if the sacrifice i make has any merit in your eyes how cheaply you would approbation be purchased even by the loss of existence all that is very absurd and very wild replied celestina what i ask you can easily do and ought to do without reluctance name it cried he and see how well i can obey you celestina then told him that vassiver fancying his friendship with mr willoughby gave him a right to attend her meant she feared to go on with her and miss elphinstone to london and from the dialogues which have twice passed between you and him added she there is a reason to apprehend that your continuing together may be attended with very unpleasant consequence neither mrs elphinstone or i have courage to encounter the sort of contention which may arise between you and to avoid the hazard of it allow us to thank you for all the trouble you have taken for us and now to bid you adieu till we meet again in devonshire montague thorogood who from the moment he understood her had listened with impatience now protested that the promise he had just given could not be binding in an instance that must be as injurious to his honour as cruel to his feelings why should you suffer this mr vassiver said he to force himself upon you while you drive me from you what is this chimercial claim that he derives to willoughby who has resigned his own and how poor and spiritless must i appear who having been permitted that of seeing you thus far on your journey consent to resign to another the honour of attending you to the end of it to another who assumes a right no better founded than my own and to whom i give place for no other reason but because he rudely demands it you would despise me madame and i should deserve to be despised were i capable of so mean a desertion this was exactly what celestina feared but persisting in her resolution to escape the alarm to which she must be subject from vassiver and montague thoroughgoods being together during the journey she told the latter very calmly that unless he consented to oblige her and to go forward under pretence of being obliged to return home that their acquaintance must here end for ever even against this fear his reluctance to yield or to appear to yield the right of attending her to vassiver a while supported him the dread too left vassiver should now succeed for himself and that he should see those hopes destroyed for ever which he so fondly cherished since willoughby was out of the question made him resist still more forcibly the injunctions celestina desired to lay upon him 
at length his fear of offending her his real love for her and the sight of her uneasiness her assurances that vassifer would never have any particular interest in her favor though at the same time she bade him understand that he had himself no better claim and his wish to shrew her how much he preferred her satisfaction to his own prevailed upon him to sacrifice his pride and his fears to her entreaties and making himself acquainted with the place where she was to be with miss elphinstone in london where he obtained permission to attend to her as soon as she arrived montague thoroughgood though still reluctantly and with great compulsion on himself departed alone and on post-horses pursued his way to london having thus prevailed on thoroughgood to depart celestina again sat down to recollect her fatigued spirits she had some hours before determined to write to lady horatia howard and accept the invitation so repeatedly offered to her as soon as she saw miss elphinstone safe in the protection and assistance of cathcart who was to meet them in london this letter therefore she wrote and forwarded and as neither the weather or any other circumstance was now likely to render their progress hazardous mrs elphinstone agreed that they would set out at a very early hour the next morning the day however was of necessity to be ended where they were and it was very certain that vassifer would pass it with them he had ordered for them everything they were likely to have occasion for in a style infinitely superior to what they would themselves have thought of and when they met at dinner he received them as his guests and when his natural vivacity was heightened by that sort of triumph that he felt on finding that thoroughgood was gone his exulting spirits were such as to be cruelly oppressive to both miss elphinstone and celestina incapable of entering into their feelings he had no idea of repressing his own he fancied there no longer existed any obstacle to his project in regard to celestina and as that project had long been the first of his heart and had become doubly important from the opposition it had met with he concealed no part of the pleasure he felt at what he fancied the absolute certainty of its immediate accomplishment this was conduct that was insupportably distressing to celestina he spoke without scruple of the resignation willoughby had made of her hand and seemed to have as little delicacy as to the occasion of it of an attachment to him abstracted from every idea of becoming his wife vassiver had no idea and celestina had no courage to urge it so entirely did his want of feeling and the proud certainty he shrewd of his own success overwhelmed her all she could do was to entreat mrs elphinstone not to leave her with him 
and to assist her as much as possible in attempting at least to check that assuming manner for which neither her former friendship for vassiver nor the regard for willoughby had for him could in her opinion offer any apology fortunately however for both her and her friend two young men of fortune much acquainted with vassiver arrived at the inn early in the evening and seeing his servants inquired for him and were shrewd into the room almost as soon as dinner was over celestina and her friend took the earliest opportunity to withdraw and vassiver's attention to his guests over their wine delivered them for the rest of the evening from his company he had taken care however to inform himself of all that related to their journey the next day but eager as he was to have celestina in the chaise with him he was compelled to desist from the request he at first ventured to make on her representing the impossibility of her leaving miss elphinstone to whom though vassiver heartily wished her once more in the halbreeds he had at length the complaisance to offer his place in his own chaise as being more commodious than the hired ones to be found on the road and agreed on her acquiescence in that arrangement to follow himself in the hack chaise with his servant the gentlemen who had passed the evening with him at the inn were not less fond of the pleasures of the table than he was himself and their orgies had been prolonged till it was no longer worth while for him to go to bed with a very little alteration of his dress therefore and with a great deal of wine still in his head he was ready in the morning to set out but such was his appearance and such his matters in consequence of his debauch the preceding evening that celestina was more than ever solicitous to avoid him and had it been possible for her to have thought of him before with the slightest degree of partiality his looks and his conversation of this morning would have filled her with terror and disgust as she travelled on however by the side of her dejected friend who had no spirits for conversation she could not amid all the reflection on her own circumstances which filled her mind avoid considering with melancholy regret the situation of this young man who with some talents and many virtues was thus yielding to the wild current of passion and vice and destroying his constitution and his fortune before he knew the value of either she then with mournful recollection contrasted his character with that of willoughby who had once all his vivacity tempered with so much sweetness so much attention to the feelings of others who had all his generosity of spirit and openness of heart without any of his careless dissipation and whose brighter talents were not obscured by vice nor degraded by folly 
and as all his virtue all his amiable qualities were enumerated her heart felt all the acuteness of sorrow in remembering too that under their influence she had lost the hope of passing her life yet the cruel pain of the reflection that these hopes were now at an end were immediately mitigated when she considered that this she might perhaps still do as his sister and his friend but her reason however it began to recover its tone could never say anything to her that for a moment taught her to reflect with pleasure or even with tranquillity on the thoughts of being united to miss fitzhaven on reperusing willoughby's letter which she had now acquired courage to study more minutely she saw with new uneasiness what in the first tumult of her spirits had escaped her or at least made but a slight impression that he recommended her particularly to the care and protection of vassifer and that as he had probably intimidated the same trust to vassifer himself she should find it very difficult to disengage herself from his attendance the longer she dwelt on willoughby's expressions the more she apprehended he was but too well convinced that the whole story of their relationship did not originate with lady castlenorth she foresaw that while even the shadow of a doubt remained their union never ought to be thought of but having nobody with whom she could properly discuss the various and contradictory ideas on this bewildering subject that passed through her mind she looked forward with earnest impatience to the hour when she should receive the maternal counsel and soothing consolation which lady horatia howard alone was likely to afford her the journey however was to be performed and though she carefully avoided during the two days it lasted being alone with vassiver yet she suffered extreme pain from the increasing conviction that he presumed on willoughby's total resignation of her and openly declared that he thought himself a candidate for her favor whose fortune and pretensions of every kind rendered him secure of success at length the party reached london and cathcart received his sister and her friend at the lodgings he had prepared for them on being informed of the time of their arrival the meeting between him and mrs elphinstone was too affecting to the already depressed spirits of celestina she retired early to her own room having with difficulty prevailed on vassiver to quit her and therefore endeavoured to acquire steadiness to talk over with cathcart the next morning the purport of willoughby's letter and then to take leave of him and her poor dejected friend as lady horatia howard had received with avidity the information of her intended visit to her and was to send her coach for her at one o'clock on the following day end of volume three 
chapter six recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c